Have you been the victim of unfair treatment by a business or a corporation? Has this ever happened to you? We'll be the baby of the year. Hello and welcome back to the Turbo Team Podcast. As always, I'm Jake Brend. It's just been a beautiful Iowa week in February. We have like weathers in the, in the 50s a week. It's pretty nice here in Indiana too, man. 60 degrees this weekend. I'm hyped. Yeah, what's it like out east? Terrific. <laughs> I love to hear it. Ben, anything different up in the falls or are you having pretty similar weeks to us? I'm doing pretty similar stuff. Uh, uh, I got I got bored, so uh, uh, I'm gonna play the intro live this time. Yeah, yeah, there goes Ben. <laughs> well, I didn't know this was a music podcast. Now I thought we were reviewing movies. It only took a minute and twenty six seconds to get bored. That's a new record. <laughs> well, now we've lost all of our listeners. So. <laughs> But anyways, we've got a big show planned for you today. We are going to be reviewing the critically acclaimed film Nomadland. We will be reviewing this week's episode of The Bachelor with the hometown dates, and then we will finish it off with what we watched in the shortest month of the year, February, with a very short list also from what it sounds like. But before we do that, we want to give a thank to our sponsor, Thrive Fantasy app. Thrive Fantasy uh, is your place for all fantasy and sports betting needs. Again, if I was 21 and a non-NCAA Division Three athlete, uh, if you can't tell by my voice, I'm very tired, uh, I would be using Thrive Fantasy app to bet. But if you use promo code around that sign-up, you'll receive a deposit bonus of up to $50. We're getting into March, so this would be a perfect time to start sports betting on March Madness. Put it all in the Drake Bulldogs, am I right? In front of the program, Matt Dykey and Joe Minky probably aren't listening. I'm a fraternity man. Um, as a legal adult in the state of Indiana, I am allowed to sports gamble, but as an employee of the NCAA, I cannot. But use Thrive Fantasy. You can't bet on anything, even. No, if I signed NCAA. a contract. I'm a I'm a grown adult now. I signed contracts. What so actually, not to get too off topic, but if we're talking about Thrive Fantasy, we might as well talk about it. Alex, you can actually bet on horse racing and boxing. So as an NCAA employee slash athlete, you cannot bet on any sport that NCAA has any affiliation with. <laughs> so like you can't if there was NCAA cricket, you couldn't bet on a cricket game over in India just because that I, I don't know why. But yeah, that's your fun fact of NCAA betting for the day. NCAA was gonna take up horse racing to prevent me from betting. Jake, if I if I were in Alex's situation and I was an employee of the NCAA, would I be able to bet on Little League games and the over-under of how many parents will get COVID from sitting in the stands? Yes, you can, Ben. That, wow. That Amazing. Thank into, you, Thrive Fantasy. That actually brings us into Nomadland today in no way at all. But Nomadland is a 2021 film directed by Chloe Zhao, starring Francis McDormand and a bunch of real people. Uh, that go by their name, like Swanky and Peter and Gay and Patty. <laughs> to name a few. All acclaimed actors and actresses. Uh, we'll give them their much due diligence respect. Ben, do you want to take us through the synopsis of this film? <laughs> His name is Gay DeForest. 
<laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember uh, meeting gay. Anyways, uh, the plot of Nomadland uh, follows a woman in her 60s who, after losing everything in the Great Recession, embarks on a journey through the American West, living in, as a van-dwelling modern-day nomad. Gay to forest. And then she's just traveling all around. So, Ben, do you want to explain to to the fans, to the crowd, what a nomad is? Um, It's someone who lives without a home. But not, they're not homeless. But they're not homeless. Well, by some people's standards, they might be, but by their own standards, they don't consider themselves. Which no, I they don't. actually, which actually gets into my favorite part of the movie was just kind of the message behind uh, you treat people the way that they want to be treated, almost. Where I think like the nomads took offense to like not help, but people like offering them like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Uh, we have a place to stay for you." And they were pretty just content with what they were doing and uh, how they were living. And I thought that was pretty cool because they were just like, I don't know, who cares what you think? And they would just, they'd live in their van and they'd live life to the fullest. And I thought that was probably my favorite part of the movie. But I, I think I, Alex loved this. So do you want to take me through your review a little bit? Yeah, I thought this movie was uh, beautiful in both the message it was conveying, the story it was telling, and also just the look of it. it the cinematography was fantastic. Um, takes place mainly in Nevada, Arizona, South Dakota. I think they might have gone to California or something, but just states with a ton of beautiful imagery, and they really utilize it to the fullest. Um, the last shot at the end when, or uh, not the last shot, one of the last shots at the end when, um, it's Fran. Is that her name? Yeah. Fran, when Fran goes back to her old home in Empire and she talks about the background, the, in an earlier scene, she talks about her, um, backyard and how it was just desert leading straight to the mountains. And then we get to see that in a later scene. I thought that was gorgeous. Um, the scenes of her just driving on these long roads, beautiful. It, the movie was shot beautiful. Um, from a story perspective, I thought it was a great, beautiful look at a nomad who, like you were saying, Jake, they, I mean, they're not, they aren't homeless people. They, you, from 95% of the time, it feels like they have a place they can stay. They have people they can talk to. Um, they work, you know, but they just kind of like living in this, in these vans and traveling. I don't think Fran's character necessarily liked living in it, but um, it reminded me a lot of uh, Shawshank Redemption when the old guy gets out of prison. And he doesn't know how to conform to, he was, he was in prison for like 50 years. He's like, I don't know how to conform to normal life. Cause I'm not, I haven't been used to it. I was spent most of my life in prison. I think Francis McDormand's character is so used to being a nomad. She can't do anything else. Like um, when she was staying with Dave, she stayed, she was sleeping in that bed in the middle of the night. She just got up and went and slept in her van. And obviously she got up early and left the next day, but I thought the story was beautiful. I thought the characters we met along the way, I thought Francis McDormand's performance was incredible. Um, I think it speaks to Francis McDormand's character. And also I didn't realize all the people's names were real, but this didn't feel like a movie. This felt like a documentary in a weird way. They were, they were real nomads. They were. Yeah. (laughs) That makes sense because I was watching it. and I was like, this just feels too real. Either this is some of the, greatest writing i've ever in acting i've ever seen or like this is actually just a documentary and they're like hey francis do you want to like live as a nomad because it was incredible it felt so real and i felt like i was watching real nomads obviously i was now that i know but it was just it was an incredible film i get 
spoiler spoiler alert i haven't seen all the top films this year i think this is my favorite um i really like oh. chicago seven i really like devil all the time the more time goes on i really loved sound of metal and uh riz Ahmed's performance but this this movie i just i thought it was incredible i, I was watching it on my bed and i was just like wow i mean it's beautiful in so many ways it was a great film high praise from mr powell ben what did you think Go off, King. Um, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I'm not as fervently adamant as Alex is, but I thought that, yeah, for sure, the cinematography is striking throughout. And (laughs) I disagree, except for maybe some of the mountainous ranges and some of the badlands. I think that they make the best of what they could of sort of rugged and almost ugly and brutal scenery in my opinion in my opinion go ahead my bad i think like the deserts and just the snowy scenes that they all have and lots of plains all of those different areas that they visited sort of reminded me of the rugged and i don't know more dilapidated landscapes that you'd see and say i don't know um wind river for example I completely, I completely agree. I think it definitely fits the rugged landscape fits the tone of the story. Um, I guess it really just comes down to what you consider to be beautiful scenery. I, I consider that beautiful. If you don't, I think it just comes down to your definition of it, you know. But yeah, I think we, I think we're agreeing on it. Yeah, everyone, no, but the cinematography is very good and makes use of it. Jake, you want to weigh in on that? Yeah, everyone you want. on their own way. <laughs> you, you want Team Ben or Team Alex? <laughs> It's like I, Edward and Jacob, but less hot and not British, not sexual. <laughs> the way that I I thought this movie was like good, I enjoyed it, but I definitely didn't love it. I knowing knowing what I knew going into the movie, like I'd saw reviews saying like, "Oh my gosh, this saved my marriage. This movie saved my life." I saw I this movie converted me to Christianity or converted me to be a nomad and stuff like that. Oh, Christianity. I, I don't know. That's just what Nate Magic told me last night when we were talking about it. <laughs> so I kind of went into the movie with some of those expectations to be extremely moved. And don't get me wrong. I thought that this movie was really moving and we'll get into it with my favorite scene. But everything with, uh, I believe her name was Swanky. Yeah. I thought was just like incredible. And uh, the scene after spoiler, after she died and they were all around the fire, like that was, I mean, that was real stuff that I've been through as like a human being kind of just saying goodbye to someone in in a very visual way that you can tell that these were real people with real experiences. And that was so well done. And I think that's definitely where the movie moved me the most, but uh, unfortunately it did not save my relationship. I owe. At least you're joking about it. Self self roast. But uh, yeah, I thought the movie was good and the cinematography uh, it was very, very beautiful, I thought, but I would kind of tend to lean more towards Ben's side that I'm more of a, I'm more of like oh. a mountains guy. So I, I did love the shot of the mountains, but as far as like the badlands and just kind of the empty desert went, I thought they did make the most they could out of it, but it's definitely not like my favorite type of scenery, if that makes sense. But yeah, yeah. I, like, like I said, I think it just comes this movie, and I, I do want to give the I do want to give the due diligence to Frances McDormand. She's probably going to win Best Female Lead, and she one hundred percent deserves it. She was incredible in this movie, and I know that we 
we tend to not talk about performances a lot. We tend to focus more on the story and the cinematography and the themes behind the movie. But before we just even move on to anything, I think Francis, Francis McDormand just deserves all the praise that she can get because she was very, very, very good in this. Uh, yes, she's uh, determined, um, self-efficient, and reserved in all of the struggles and pain that she's going through at the time. Um, Jake, would you say that like people like that saying that this movie changed your life kind of ruined it for you going into it? Not and from a like ruined the plot right. of it, but just your expectations were so high, you know, and then it, they kind of didn't live up to it. Like so, for me, I I had like almost no idea what this movie was about. I read the short description on Hulu before I watched it, and that's it. And I didn't expect to be as moved as I was. Um, with your high expectations going into it, do you think that kind of ruined the film for you in a way? I don't think it ruined it because usually when movie when you hear that about a movie, you kind of readjust your expectations. Like, there's no way it's that good. But I definitely did have higher expectations than you probably going in, just because I'd seen. Since pretty much October, like, oh my gosh, it, it won this film festival. It's going to yeah. be this picture. So it didn't ruin it. But I mean, having higher expectations also does leave more of the ability to be let down a little bit. So I will say that I think the middle of the film dragged for me. I thought, uh, even though it was only an hour 40, I thought the middle of it felt like an hour 40 in itself. As much as I really loved the beginning and the ending, I thought the middle, uh, not that. Not that any of the characters weren't important, but I thought that two characters in specifics, Swanky and Dave, oh no, not Dave, uh, Bob, the old guy with the white beard. I thought that those two were so good that I didn't, I tended to not care about the other characters and their experiences as much, which I think. I thought the the ending dragged, to be honest. I think after she left, like after she left Dave's house, like the part up to that, I think dragged for me. I was kind of like, it's kind of like, I mean, how I was, I guess, kind of more, more interested to see how they wrapped it up. Because if you think about it, this movie didn't really have a whole plot, you know, like there wasn't a great, like it wasn't a story, essentially. We just were following the lives of these nomads, you know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, for Fran, like moving in with all these people because you run out of money because your car broke down. Like, yeah, that's probably not her daily routine. But for the most part, like, I feel like this was we were just watching her spend her days as a nomad. You know, I thought, which is interesting because you don't think about, like, you, when you're making a movie, you think, all right, here's the here's the setting. Like, we're setting up the movie, the rising action, the climax, the falling action, you know, the resolution. And this doesn't really have that in a way. And I think it works a, a lot because I think being a nomad is such an interesting thing. And a lot of people don't really understand it. And it's coming in this time in America where everyone was really down on their luck. You know, the 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 recession affected a lot of people, some more than others. And so I, I thought for as weird of a story kind of as it was, I thought it worked a lot. Yeah. So I will add, I think this is a movie that for me will age very, very well. So movies that do have not the traditional plot or pacing. I think tend to be harder for me to watch on first viewing, but on second viewing, I'm able to appreciate it way more because I know what to expect in this movie. I, it, like you said, it didn't have a plot and that's not a bad thing. There's several great movies that just don't really have that, but I think knowing what I know now and rewatching it and kind of knowing what to expect in the middle of the movie, I think I'll be able to pick up more on the side characters more than I did this time because I, I really did connect with swanky and bob 
and obviously uh, Fern a lot. But outside of that, I was kind of just disinterested. That scene at the end with Bob, spoiler, that's probably going to be my favorite scene. I, it, I'll be honest, it made me cry. I, I teared up a bit listening to him talk about his son. Um, that it just felt so emotional and raw and real that yeah, it was, it was incredible. if he was a, if he's a real if that was a real story because I guess he is a real nomad like that's that's just that's just incredible filmmaking you know is mm-hmm. um, who's the director I forgot her name Chloe uh, Zhao Zhao hope I'm pronouncing that right but credit to Chloe Zhao man if, if that's like his real that's just great filmmaking I thought she did a fantastic job with this um the budget was four to six million. That's not a big budget at all um, to make like a, especially a movie that's supposed to like it, it, this. Is, I think this is going to get best picture. I don't really see anything else. Maybe uh, we haven't watched Minari yet. Um, spoiler next week. Um, and we haven't. And then Judas and Messiah, I think it's going to be up there, but I don't know, man, I'm at a loss for this movie's incredible. It definitely, I wouldn't say it changed my life, but it definitely like forced me to take a step back and look at my life and kind of reevaluate, you know, how I, how I live in a way. I don't, it, if that you consider that life changing, I mean, okay, I don't, but I'd say, I mean, it made me, really. it made me think definitely deeply about like who I am, where I'm going, what I want to do, what I want to be. You know, I think that's, and if that's the message, if that's the purpose of this movie, she knocked it out of the park. I thought it was incredible. Well, yeah, I definitely think the purpose of this movie wasn't to tell like this incredible story with um, big plot twists and really big payoff. It was just to tell a story and to make I th- I'm, I think make you think about your life, make you think of the lives around you. And uh, the fact that it left that good of an impact on you is, I mean, it did what it was supposed to do for you. And I think that's what's so great about film is for some people it can just like completely bore them. But for some it can completely change their perspective on some things and that's where that's where even though it didn't leave that big of an impact on me that's where i can appreciate it because i know that it left a huge impact on a lot of other people i think this is i'm definitely going to recommend this movie to people but when i recommend it to them i think you gotta be like now here it's a good movie you need to pay attention you can't be playing on your phone while you're watching it because then you're gonna miss it if you really just pay attention to the movie man it's it's impactful so Ben, what were some yeah. things that you liked? Um, like you said, I thought it was very realistic. I mean, it obviously was. It was almost documentary like with the testimonial sessions that they'd have. I was thinking of the first campfire scene they'd have, where it would have the same shot for everyone's faces lined up exactly the same with the firelight on them. And then just with the entire supporting cast, if you would call them that, but it was honestly an interesting way to watch a film. And <laughs> technically this would be the first document. Oh wait, no, we watched the last dance. This would be the second documentary that we've done on the podcast. Third Francis McDormand film. Yep. Francis McDormand is too good. He's getting up but, there with, uh, Lakeith. Like, yeah. Lakeith Stanfield. He's got and Jesse Plemons and Plemons. Okay. What a trio. Uh, yeah. We're a trio of actors, man. Francis McDormand, like he's and Jesse Plemons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I thought Fran was a great protagonist, very reserved and understated, but Fern. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
they definitely emphasized in realistic ways the fragility of life in a sense uh when it came to dave dropping all those uh, and um i not think her, having a spare tire i think her dropping those plates i think that was almost a turning point for her in a way though where she okay. had to let go of yeah the past in a sense mm-hmm. i think when they broke that's when really she started because remember she like totally shot down dave up until he broke those plates and then afterwards, that's when they kind of really started hanging out, I guess. I don't know. The relationship was so weird. And I understand why it was weird because she was so in love with her husband. But I don't know. It was awkward at times. I that thought. was the most uh, uh, won't they, that a will they, won't they has ever been. Yeah. <laughs> and, ultimately they did, and ultimately, they didn't, man. Shout out <laughs> Dave, the ultimate simp. Oh, don't, don't do Dave like that. I like Dave. Yeah. His family seemed nice. Dave. Yeah, also his family was like so rich. Like they had like a huge farm and a guest house and his son was like a musician. Yeah, that's the that's that's the practical life. Everyone I guess that's that. what being a nomad is though. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny that they use the term nomad so much, but there was no one who was like, Yeah, what even is a nomad? And they're like, No, everyone should know what a nomad is. <laughs> And they used it so often, like that's something that everyone has in their vocabulary. So, did the character Swanky die, like in real life? No. So, yeah, this film is based off of real people in a fictional story. Okay. So, it was a journalist who wrote a book about like these people with real experiences. So, the people in this movie are real. It's actually based off of Dave Swanky. But the story itself is a little fabricated. Okay. But I can't confirm can't confirm how much of the stuff happened in in real. You're, you're able to tell who's acting and who's being very genuine with their life experiences. Yeah, like, like Bob when Bob gave his, that felt like a real life experience. Yeah, so it if that was acting. Hats off to him. But even if it wasn't, still hats off to him because it was it was incredible. I might go back and just watch that scene. I thought that scene was incredible. Bob's group kind of seemed like a cult, not going to lie. <laughs> so, so that's what I was about to say. When I was watching it, I was like, she's going to get herself into a cult, man. And I was like, that's a, I thought that's where the story was going to go. And then I got there and I was like, oh, these are like genuine people who actually care for each other. You know, He didn't seem like a cult leader. He just seemed like a guy that has been through a lot and wants to share his uh, experiences with the world. You know, see, I can see how you see that, though. One thing that I kind of compared this to was moving into college. Just with mm-hmm. how, especially at the beginning of the movie, how much uh, Fern was moving around and meeting new people and just like always being introduced to new people. And there was a very clear kind of uncomfort of her, like not sure whether to be completely herself, not sure whether to completely fake herself at all. And I felt a lot of those kind of different emotion struggles. And I know that it's obviously very different circumstances, leaving home and leaving friends and having your husband die. I know that those are completely different, but I think in the sense of like what you experience in those things was kind of similar. And I thought that that really resonated with me well. And I thought that it was done in a, I mean, just a very real, that that's probably my favorite part of this movie is just how realistic it is there. There's not an emotion in this movie that even if the story was fictional, that felt fabricated or fictional at all. Yeah, it's it, yeah. Um, the scene at close to the end when she goes to stay with her sister for a night, and like they they have like that get together party. That was 
interesting, I thought, to say the least. Just the way that she clearly isn't with these people. And she, I think she kind of understands it, but the more the night goes on, she slowly realizes, like, this isn't who I am. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm on the road. I, just, I live my life on the road. These people really stick to a strict structure of their life. And they want the nice houses and the nice cars and the nice lifestyle. And that's just not who Fern was. You know, I thought that was really interesting to watch. Yeah, I thought it was I I thought it was very cool just seeing her accept who she is as a person. I, I think that's another one of the big themes that was I mean this movie was really just about Fern and her journey and to see like how reluctant she was at first to just what she was doing. There was a very clear as I said earlier uncomfort. She she seemed happy-ish at Amazon but also just felt like she didn't want to be there. And by the end of the movie, like you said, in that dinner scene or or the, the Thanksgiving scene, like she just very, very steadily and slowly w- with brilliant storytelling just came into her own and became who she was. And I thought that that was very, very, very well done. And you got to give your hats off to Chloe Zhao Zhao and, and the work that she did with this film, especially on, like you said, such a small budget. And I would guess half that went to Francis McDormand. Yeah. If not close. Yeah. Um, I I think Fern's character is really interesting because she as much as she like tries to fight who she is, I think she like she had there, she's comfortable with who she is, you know. Like there's some people who'd be completely embarrassed with being a nomad, you know. They'd be like, Well, where where do you live? And she's like, I mean they're like, Oh, I heard you're homeless. She's like, I'm I have a home. It just happens to be a van, you know. I don't have a house, but I have a home. And she's very unapologetically like herself. And I think that's, she's a little odd. You can tell just some of the the way she talks and jokes around and stuff. She's a little on the weirder end, but I mean, she's fine with who she is and she's a nomad. And I think that's really cool to see, you know, being in a not traditional life like that, just being so comfortable with it. It's really inspiring. Yeah. So next week on the Turbo Team podcast, we're not going to be recording an episode, but we're all going to go be nomads for a week. That'd be fun. We will, <laughs> yes, and then we'll narrate it into a podcast for That'd you. be a good podcast. Okay. I would. All right, I'm down. Just, yeah. <laughs> I'm mobile. Record at the Starbucks. I am mobile. <laughs> what? <laughs> just, <laughs> so right. did we have any negatives? I already touched on mine in just a little bit. I thought that the, I think in a creative way, the pacing was a little odd. It was unlike most movies that I've ever seen which I think when I was watching, but the more that I talk and think about it, it's less of a negative. But when I was watching, that was definitely a negative. Um, I think that there definitely could have been a couple side characters fleshed out a little more. The The film was only an hour 50, so maybe make it 10 minutes longer to increase her relationship between one and one of the other nomads. Oh, positive. The music... The soundtrack in this was brilliant. I thought oh, it was yeah. so good. Oh yeah, score was good. Um, but yeah, I think that's pretty much all I've got for negatives. I I think just the the biggest problem with this film is how much praise it got before I saw it. Like Alex said earlier, I think that if I went into this with absolutely no expectations, I think I would have been blown away, or not blown away, but been like, wow, wow, that was really good. But I think I was just kind of left like, oh yeah, that was. I mean, that was a good film. But I'll have to rewatch it and uh, just continue to think about it. It's definitely one of those movies that makes you think. 
Would you endorse it though? Yes, I think. I think even if it's not your type of movie, I think that this is a really good film to watch because it, one, it teaches about a very important thing, which is self identity, and really your self identity and self worth shouldn't matter to other people. Like Fern was happy where she was, so let her be happy where she was. And I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of lessons to be taken from that uh just i mean in everyday life with everyday people that we encounter uh, it's very easy to judge for what other people do but more often than not there's a lot of people that are out there doing what they want to do because they want to do it and i think uh more power to those people so yeah i think i would endorse this i think it's a kind of an important film in a way too if we're just trying to find your way and also it's not going to get dated i mean it's just like 2011 like and they don't really use a whole lot of technology. Like they have some old Motorola's from time to time. And like Dave has a flip phone, but like that's about as dated as it gets, you know? Uh, I, I think it's going to be a movie that sticks around for a long time. Um, for my negatives. So going into that, I had a negative. I thought the I was going to say, I thought some of the actors on the side were bad, but now I know that they're probably real people. Um, I don't think that's a negative at all then because and then I used to have a camera in their face for a big budget movie. I guess it wasn't a big budget movie, but a f- big film all the time. So I didn't let it slide. Um, like a Randy Stone video production movie. Oh, yeah. Dude, I'd love to see a Randy Stone big budget film. It'd be sick. Shout out Mr. Stone, Stone, man. I love Mr. Stone. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think it just kind of dragged. I, I thought it dragged at the end. Um, Kind of just, it seemed like we, they were really stretching out what Fran is going to do for the rest of her life, you know, and I thought it ended very well with her going back to Empire and just the, the ended basically with her driving off to the sunset, not necessarily the sunset, but in a figurative way. And uh, I, I had no negatives, man. I, I, I love this film. It was, it was, I thought it was so good. Um, ben, Ben, the harshest critic. I am harsh. Like a critic. Um, I think that the exposition was kind of done a little lazily, in my opinion, at the beginning, where they're very blunt with the statements of explaining their past. I mean, you kind of had to at points when it's someone reconnecting with someone in her life before she was fired and they're catching up or so on and so forth. I just thought that when it did come up, the exposition necessarily wasn't handled as like, I don't know, pleasantly as I would have liked. Um, the pacing definitely kind of af- affected me or dragged on in a sense. I wish I would have been able to see this in theaters is what I really wish I would have been able to see this in theaters because then I feel like I would have been able to grasp what the director and what the filmmaker was trying to say um, within this message because I feel like this would have done really well on the big screen, but I had to watch it in my dorm room on my couch 10 feet away from the TV. But, yeah, I mean, that's not something I can really blame the film. It's just the times we're in right now. Um, I don't know. Bob's cult was kind of odd. <laughs> it was, I honestly thought it was a straight-up cult. Reminded me of this. He comes to me with money in his hand. He offered me. I didn't ask him. I wasn't knocking someone's door down. Sick reference. Um, And I don't know. I just... I liked the, it was very good as a documentary sort of setup, and I liked what they were going for, and I could see how some of the subtle, I don't know, innuendos of um, 
Fern's character and her relationship with Dave and her relationship with everyone really um, would work for some people. But personally, I just didn't love this film as much as you guys did. And I don't know. I can't really give concrete examples. I think I don't didn't hold my attention as much. So I think like just to get into ratings, unless Ben has a favorite no. scene that wasn't talked about, but I think we all talked about our favorite scenes enough. I think to get into ratings, like off of first viewing without talking about it with someone who'd seen it, I think it was a seven, but I think just like talking about it on this podcast and the more and more, the more and more I understand it, I think it's moved up to an eight already. It's just one of those movies that, uh, makes you think. And I don't really think I was in the mood to think when I saw this, I was kind of in a hurry and I'd just been a stressful week. But I think talking about it and talking about the themes more, I think I appreciate it more. So I don't want to give off the impression that like, wow, I was blown away by this because when I saw it, I was really just like, oh yeah, that was a pretty good movie. But I think just the more I talk about it, I think the more I appreciate it and appreciate the story. But it's definitely unique and there's not really a way to replicate this in any sense, in any way or form. So... I think that this movie will stand along for a while. It's going to do very well in the Hollywood award shows the upcoming months. So that alone will put it in a pretty elite category of movies that'll be talked about for a while. But as I just said, I'm going to give this movie an eight out of 10. Ben. Um, Yeah, this is the first time I wasn't asked to give my rating first. Uh, I actually, from what I had already said, I thought that cinematography was um, very pleasant to look at. Francis McDormand had a great performance, but um, there wasn't a whole lot that did it for me, honestly. And I'm just going to be fine with a six out of ten. You got to rewatch this movie again, man. Chill out. Six out of ten still good. It's still positive. I'm going to give this a nine and a half, man. I really fucking love this movie. Okay. I don't know how you can give it a six. Did you not feel anything while watching this movie? No, I feel nothing. I, like I said, my viewing experience wasn't the best and I'll admit that and acknowledge that a lot of that probably was because of me, but no, not really. This movie wasn't amazing for me. Like it was for you. This might be the most diverse that we've ever been on ranking. No, it is. Um, the only other one I would think would be Uncut Gems because I hated it and Ben loved it. There we go. But yeah, that that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I'll give it a nine and a half. It's I want to give it a ten, but it's not a flawless movie. I don't think it's one of my favorite movies ever, but it's definitely one that I loved watching. I'll probably definitely watch again, and I'll be recommending to a lot of people. So nine and a half. Yeah, that is going to do it for our Nomadland talk. And pretty much the exact opposite of Nomadland, we're going to be talking about The Bachelor. Oh, yeah. So I, I watched The Bachelor, and then I watched this. And I was just like, man, nothing matters on The Bachelor after watching this movie. Like, those are such fucking surface-level problems. Oh, yeah. Victoria was mean to me. Uh <laughs> That hey, that's next week. That's next week. Victoria wearing a very re- revealing dress on next week's episode. Shocker. Yeah. yeah.
Yeah, so this week on The Bachelor was hometown weeks, and they didn't actually go to anywhere to anyone's home, but instead they brought their families to them. And they brought the home to them. And when they were doing that, I don't know why, but I thought it would have been just the funniest thing ever if just like one of the girls had no one show up. Like, Bree, you're accompanied by your parents, your younger sister, your older brother, your grandparent, your great uncle, uh, <laughs> uh, Serena P. No one could make it. I, I'm sorry. It. Oh, thanks, Serena Jake. P. What your uncle Dave is here. Oh, why <laughs> just like an uncle she's not even close with. Yeah. So this week, I'll be out honest. I was not that interested in this week's episode. I thought that it was really boring. I think that obviously spoilers. It's a spoiler podcast. Other than like Serena P going home, I felt like nothing happened. I mm-hmm. love I love that they started off with Michelle's not one on one date, but with Michelle's family. Yeah. I thought that that was just so good. Michelle's freaking awesome. Michelle should win. Uh, but I Michelle's think- dad, top ten voice of all time. <laughs> Dude, he spoke and it was insane. I was like. That's what he sounds like. He's already kind of goofy looking dude. Just he's got like wide eyes and he's like, I don't know. He's 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 a weird dude, man. He spoke. He's like, Boy. he's like, I am your father. <laughs> you know, it's like, what the? That's what the guy sounds like. They were playing basketball and he was just like, mm. <laughs> oh, the basketball scene was so funny. The mom- awkward. Is <laughs> the mom was the one trying the hardest that like. Michelle and uh, Michelle and Matt James are just playing like too close of defense, and then the dad's just like waddling around the court, just not even wanting to be there. Yeah. So my the conclusion that I've come to, when if we go back like whatever it was seven weeks to our Bachelor preview, or even after our first uh, week of the Bachelor, I think I liked Matt James. I was like, he seems like a like a good guy. We're going to get to know him more. And I think he's just an overall solid dude. And I still feel the exact same way about him. I still think that he's a solid guy. I think he truly wants like the best for the women on the show, but I cannot stand watching him on TV anymore. He's boring. He bores me so much. He adds nothing to it. And I've come to the conclusion that Michelle is too good for him. And I hope that he chooses whatever her name is, uh, Rachel, just for the sake of both of them ending up together because Michelle deserves to be with someone better. There. That's uh, opinion. I wouldn't even say I, I don't Matt's, I, Matt, Matt seems like a great guy. I think he's just really boring and that just doesn't make for good TV. Like Peter was what Matt does like Peter gave into the drama. Like he kept around uh Victoria F or whatever it was for like Lou, she was in the final three. Like huh. Peter gave into the drama and that's why people hated Peter. I don't think Matt James is that bad. I think why people hate Matt is he's just like a boring guy. Like he's not like the most interesting thing about him is he played college football and he wasn't good. So and they never talk about it because he wasn't good. Ever. He had one tackle and it came in like a seventy-three point loss to uh, Louisiana Monroe or whatever we, it was. He went over his stats. Yeah, I know. It was our most popular tweet of all time. I glitched out right before I was able to make my bit, but you said how it would be so funny if uh, no one would have had any family there for them. And I thought it was so funny because they went around and they're like, Rachel, you have your mom, your dad, and your sister here. Um, Bree, you have your mom and your dad and your best friend here. 
And they're like, Michelle, you have your mom and your dad here. <laughs> and now Sir- <laughs> Brie, Brie wasn't her mom and dad. It was her I mom noticed and that. Her best it was so friend. funny to me at the time. <laughs> it was Brie, Brie's mom and Brie's best friend, who's also named Brie and who also okay. looks exactly like her. Pause. But they I- just. They just cloned Brie for this episode. I don't see know, if the anyone catches of it. Chris Harrison, author of The Secret Letter, when he said that was so funny. And that bit, like, actually did. That bit okay. never gets I have old, a new one. Your whole Chris Harrison, The Secret, the whole Chris Harrison's uh, author of The Secret Letter. I have a new one. I also have old. Matt James, Peloton Ambassador. <laughs> I'm going to start using that. <laughs> Dude, he does seem like a big about, Peloton. Can we talk about Matt James Beard? It looks awful. Ben, say the joke again. Because <laughs> that made me ambassador laugh. Matt James is now doing work uh, along the U.S. circuits, posing as Black Shell Silverstein at different bookstores. <laughs> he does look like a black. All the shell pictures of Shell Silverstein are all in black and white, so they can pull it off. <laughs> One of my favorite Shell Silverstein jokes comes from the third Diver Wimpy Kid book when he's like terrified of him. <laughs> He, he says he looks like a homeless pirate or something like that. And his dad, like, he'd always get up in late at night and, like, go to, like, lay in his parents' bed. And his dad hated it. So he, like, told him if he got up in the middle of the night, he'll run into Shell Silverstein. In that the was, that's uh, that's <laughs> one of your favorite Shell Silverstein jokes of the many, of the yeah. multitudes and multitudes that you've heard in your <laughs> life. More than, you, more than I, I probably should have. Like um, that at all, but... Uh, before we get on, I want to talk about Serena P's whole thing a little bit because I have a theory. But before we get on to that, do you guys think you've caught on to who won? I I think it's no. Rachel. I I'm... I'll, I'll get so it, I watching this. It was became even more obvious. All right, you guys want uh, me to say, no, say no more? Say no more. I, it's it's definitely not Bree. I I I think it's going to be actually Bree. Okay. I picked up nothing from this episode. I it was a very, very, very small detail, but I noticed it. I, I noticed that, it right away. I noticed that anytime any of the girls other than Rachel asked Matt if they love him, he'd just kiss him. <laughs> no, he, no, he, <laughs> exactly. no, he'd say thanks for sharing that with me. And then it'd cut away. No, but I think the reason I you think said, what you're trying to say, Alex, the small thing was that um after Rachel crashed, uh, Matt was running and screaming like he was blind and he couldn't see her, <laughs> and he didn't know he wouldn't know where she was. But no, I think that I, th- I I think that it should be Michelle. But in my gut, I know it's probably going to be Rachel. And it's so funny, and it's so funny want- that all of the women had different things that related to their hometowns or their lives. And then, like, Rachel's be like, oh, well, I can't take you to a plantation ball, so let's jump out of a plane, I guess. <laughs> Did you ever see that she said in high school that black guys aren't cute or something like that? Yeah, she bullied She bullied girls in her grade for dating black guys. And now she's going to be a final contestant on the the first black bachelor. Enemy of the program, Rachel. I don't know her last name. And frankly, I don't care. I also don't think she's that hot. Credit. She probably wouldn't pick me, but like, I don't think she's that attractive. I don't get it. I'm, I don't think. I don't think Michelle's that attractive. I think Bree and Serena were gorgeous, but I don't think Michelle and uh, um, Rachel are that hot. The racist. I don't care. 
Um, so you know, let's get into Serena P because I have a theory. I texted you guys my theory. I think Serena P would have won if she stuck around. I don't think Matt James would have had that reaction to any of the other girls. So you think it like caught him off by surprise the most? <laughs> I think I think as the viewers, we knew that it wasn't meant to be more than he did. Because after the yoga thing, we kind of saw that she's like, you know, we we show affection in different ways, and that's an important thing in a relationship. And I think I think then as viewers, we started to realize maybe you know, not necessarily that Matt's not going to pick Serena, but maybe Serena's not going to pick Matt. And uh, I think Matt thought the relationship was a lot. Also, I think it's another one of those things where. Matt is so set on, like, at the final episode, he's going to propose to whoever wins. He's so set on proposing to the winner. I think if he would have, I think if he would have sat down with Serena and just be like, you know, I want you, but if you don't want to get married, like, I'll wait. I think if he just told her, like, I'll wait for a little bit. That doesn't make good TV. I think that it's. Yeah, I don't, I don't even think it's TV. I just think Matt is so set on getting married when. You know, maybe he doesn't need the to. Teasers, the right the teasers leading anyway, up to these yeah. next episodes are so funny because he looks crushed and like is like like <laughs> so emotionally in shambles. And I think it's so funny because he, that might be because he was going to choose Serena, but now she's gone. So now he doesn't really want to pick any of these other women that are left, which is kind of hilarious. That'd make great TV. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine being the second? Can you imagine being like like the winner and watching it back and then seeing like, Oh, I don't think I was the one he wanted. I think he wanted Serena P. Well, he'll, he'll be too busy on the, on the road making that giving tree money. So it's fine. Was it Sarah? Was she the one that with the dad yeah. with Lou Gehrig's? I think she would have been in the final. if She stuck around too. He, he really liked her early on. So you guys have any bold predictions of what's going to happen in women? Tell all. Um, uh, Victoria's gonna try and say that she was uh um uh, in pain or like <laughs> emotionally unstable. She that that scene she seemed more like a real person than she did the whole time she was actually on the show. I think Katie's gonna be made out to be a huge villain. I do too. I don't think any. I don't think a lot of them. Which like is kind Katie. of funny because she just like stood in the middle and mediated, and they're like, "No, get get." Get out of our drama or whatever. She also kind of tattled oh. the mat, and it was kind of like a big tattle because it got the when she tattled, they got rid of like four girls. It got rid of MJ, it got rid of Victoria, it got rid of um, there's one, there's like two others. But. Guess you can say, uh, she took the trash out. <laughs> All right, we're gonna ignore that. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the beard. Oh, Matt James, that was insane. I couldn't believe it when he stepped out because throughout the whole show, like his beard's constantly like unevenly trimmed to the point. Also, Matt has one of the highest beards I've ever seen on his face. He's got a long face, but his beard sits like up to his chin. You know, it's like you grow a a high beard. beard. Do you think he's growing better? I can't. I can't. But look at Jake's beard. Like it doesn't sit that high. Yeah. Look at Ryan Gosling's beard. Hey, the hold on. This is gonna make good. This is gonna make for good podcasting. Intern this is gonna make for good podcast. Intern of the program, Isaac Dyke. He's giving me a call. Should I answer? Go for it, Isaac. We're recording the podcast. You're live on the Turbo Team podcast. As the intern, I want to say that the Turbo Team podcast supports 
everyone. Thank you, Oreo. Right, thanks, cookies. Isaac. I gotta let you go. Isaac All right, show. I hung up on him. <laughs> All right, <laughs> more Bachelor. Do you guys got um, any closing thoughts on the Bachelor? Uh, when um, all of the kids asked Matt questions and you just gave them super complicated answers. <laughs> it's like, yes, Tyler, I'm very committed to this relationship. And in the future, I could see myself with Mrs. Young for a long really- time. Okay, another thing that was kind of funny is that I, I got off the phone with my dad like an hour ago. And he only watched like half of the first episode with me and the bachelor. He told me, yeah, <laughs> he hated it. And he told me that he hasn't watched any of it since. And he was like, Hey, how's Rachel doing? I'm like, how do you know Rachel's still in? He was like, I, I, she seemed nice. I feel like she'd go far. <laughs> so my dad called Rachel being this far and might've called the winner after watching the first episode, like half of it. Did you have to break the news to him that she's like a bad person? <laughs> no, I'll break it to him after he's uh, happily probably chosen the winner. We've got to get Eric Neeson on that Thrive Fantasy app. Thrive. Oh, yeah. Just kidding. I'm not doing the whole ad rate again, but thank you to our sponsor, <laughs> Thrive Fantasy app. Oh, yeah. um, this week's uh, Bachelor Talk. Alex, do you have one more closing thought? Yeah, I, Ben... Uh... <laughs> the the one girl's thing was so scripted when she's like, I got this letter that Miss Young wrote me. And it's like, okay, either this is so scripted or you're just the kid everybody in class hates because you just take school so seriously. I think it's the second one because she sounded exactly like Ben Shapiro. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Mrs. Young, I, I can believe you can do anything you set your mind to. Matt, can can you marry my teacher, please? She said, and and I quote, you are going to do very well on this test today, and I am very <laughs> proud of you, no matter what the result is, Mrs. Young. And I was very inspired by that. Thank ben you, Sh- Mrs. Young. Matt, Sh- what are your thoughts on that? Ben Shapiro is the bachelor. <laughs> oh my gosh, why have we not done that yet? <laughs> how, how are we do- How are we going to do that? Are we gonna I don't know. We've done, like, <laughs> we've done like seven <laughs> Bachelor episodes, and it just took us this long to hypothetically think of that situation okay okay on the on the last episode where we cover the finale of the bachelor we need to list uh five uh uh contestants who would be amazing bachelors all right put that in the back pocket and we'll uh right so we'll write that down (laughs) well we'll timestamp it talk about it again another time but for that that's going to be all of our bachelor talk and now we're going to do what we watched in the month of february it was a uh very, very long month, but uh didn't really feel like... Or no, it was a very short month, but it didn't feel like that. I, it was uh, the longest, shortest month of the year. Yeah. I'll, I had a good February. I'll, I'll start <laughs> off. That makes one of us. Yeah, no. I'll start off with what I watched. Uh, I think on literally the first night of February, I watched Requiem for a Dream. With- oh, God. <laughs> dude, that's, that's what a way to start the month. <laughs> yeah, and that... That was just bad foreshadowing for the month. Of- <laughs> uh, like, man, that was a crazy movie. <laughs> yeah, that movie was nuts, and it like broke me down to like. <laughs> I hope I feel better tomorrow. <laughs> that movie just broke me, and it was just, uh, yeah. I watched everything we watched for the podcast, uh, which I actually don't have pulled up right now. Which was the little it doesn't matter. Judas and the Black matter. Messiah. In Nomadland, I think, and then I watched La La Land. Uh, yeah, the Why? night. Uh, my roommate had to watch. He's in an acting class, so he had to watch. Hell something, yeah! <laughs> watch something with like a very good supporting and lead actor. And uh, four he, brothers starring Mark Wahlberg. 
he hears me talk about La La Land all the time, so he's like, I'm going to watch La La Land. And then we did, and it made him ball his eyes out. Really? He cried? Yeah. yeah. Nice. Why? Just because it was, like, sad, but also, like, happy at the same time. Man, brother better never watch 500 Days of Summer. Ryan, Ryan Gosling give you that look from the piano at Seb's at the end of the movie, and Dude, you're not going to bust a tear. I don't know. I might cry at some With, with my breakup, I'm just kind of scared to watch that movie. <laughs> yeah. Wait. Maybe take a minute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ever since I've watched it, Another Day of Sun's still been in my head for like the last three weeks and someone in the crowd. I love La La Land, but other than that, I've watched uh, Freaks and Geeks. I watched like the first half of the first season. 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Really? Not it's enough Seth Rogen, though. They need more Seth Rogen. They, no, more, in more hindsight, people. that cast is insane. Oh, yeah. It's insane. They're all like 18, like, that was all like their first acting gig for the most part. I think Lisa Carbonelli or whatever her name is. I think she had like a couple what? of other ones. Professor. Huh? Lisa Carbonelli is my professor. <laughs> Who's the actress? It's Lisa Carpestone or something like that. It's something Italian. Who cares? They're not real. But, uh, yeah. Um, what else? Other you than that, I've watched WandaVision, and that's literally it. That's all yeah. I've watched. I'll be honest, I'm not gonna watch WandaVision. It's actually pretty good. Uh, this guy's watching WandaVision. I'm so burnt out on Marvel. Like, I just don't care. You know, I've got like three friends on my floor that watch it every week. But if that didn't happen, I don't think I'd see myself watching it. But I think it's it's not like cookie cutter Marvel, which is refreshing. It's actually like. And it's got Elizabeth Olsen, so yeah, 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 it's got Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah, it does. That is a fact. Um, calm down, <laughs> calm down. Shut up, Ben. Um, <laughs> I saw Ingrid Goes West too. You don't have to be so enthusiastic. I've never that. heard of that movie until right now. Uh, it's um Elizabeth Olsen um, playing an influencer. I don't care. Uh, I was gonna say something about Wandavision. Oh, um. Yeah, Marvel sucks. Oh, I was in my creative writing class, and our te- my teacher was like, "What are you guys watching?" And all of them said WandaVision. No, she was like, "He was like, um, relate yourself to like who's one of your favorite fictional characters?" And they're all like, oh, "I'm watching WandaVision, so probably like Wanda or like you know Vision." <laughs> and then I was like, uh, "I like Tony Soprano," and everyone was like, "Who the fuck is that?" And I was like, "This guy watches Tony just Soprano." Just the guy, man. I guess. Yeah, my professor was like. Tony Soprano. You could never be me. My favorite at my favorite character, Wanda and Vision from WandaVision. <laughs> so, in WandaVision, I doubt you guys are going to watch it, but the stuff between like Wanda and Vision is like. <laughs> Stop saying it. <laughs> you can't say it. <laughs> it's actually like decent and good, but then like halfway through the season. They introduced like a new like government agency in the Marvel universe. It, Jimmy Woo! I saw it that. is so bad. Like I hate every single part of it, and I can't remember her name. She's in Cat um, New Girl, I think. Cat Dennings. Her character. Yeah, it, no, it's Two Broke Girls. Oh, Two Broke Girls. Her character is the worst. TV. Him, her, and Jimmy Woo, like they work together. It's the it's the worst. I hate it. I hate. Also, that's yeah, her second character yeah. in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because she was in uh, Thor. Thor's. She was in the first two Thors. So maybe I I don't know. And I, then she wasn't in the last Thor, the best one. You you can clearly tell I how, how much I pay attention to the details of that show. But Alex, what did you watch this month? 
Not WandaVision. I like good TV. Anyway, also, I'm not denying it's good. All I'm you just... watch is The Sopranos. Shut up. I finished it. In you the can't way. go wrong. Um, so I watched everything we watched with the podcast. Um, I turned on New Girl just to fall asleep. So I guess you can consider I watched that. But I just kind of watch it to fall asleep, too. I've seen it like four times. It's nothing too, too nothing to say that I haven't already said about it. Um, I Carly put I Carly on Netflix and I just watched that just because of the nostalgia. It is funny sometimes actually like Spencer and Gibby's character are still hilarious, you know, when I was, you know, 12 and when I'm 19. So it's a good, it made bit of, good snaps. It's good. Bit, uh, it's a good bit of nostalgia. I know it's kind of got a dark backstory. Now a lot of it comes out. Obviously Dan Schneider was very predatory, especially towards Jeanette McCurdy, which is really hard to listen to her interview about it. So I'm sad I'm giving money to that guy, that guy, but I like the show and I haven't seen it in years. So I'm going to watch it. But um, besides that, uh, last Saturday I was having a bit of fun and I watched Inception and um, okay, not that bit of fun. That sounded dirty. It's not a dirty bit of fun. I was, <laughs> uh, it's a, it's a PG podcast. Um, I was having a bit of fun by myself. Um, drinking some water in the early morning and I watched Inception at 2 a.m. Then after I finished Inception, I watched The Social Network uh, to like nice. 3.45. So I watched Great two course. very thought-provoking movies, not in the right mindset, in the early sets of the morning. So that's what I watched <laughs> in February. And then I typed and then I typed out a website that would crash Harvard's uh, network system and then i looked up the cast and started reading army hammer cannibalism articles <laughs> hey those are fake no they're real whatever Did you not hear? no so it was started out as a joke and then a report came out that uh not his current girl not his ex-wife but his current girlfriend like she like cut herself and he would like lick the blood off of her and stuff like that and i guess he's made like a bunch of like cannibalistic like jokes are almost and there's like like it is real like the theory is that you might be a cannibal is real oh, this also theory- i think he like beat the shit out of his current girlfriend so he's gonna take us off of spotify <laughs> huh that theory's gonna get us taken off of spotify it's just gonna be a red flag they're oh. huge they're huge arnie famer fans spotify ben what did you watch i watched uh the departed guy uh, nice don't need to say anything about it I watched Idlewild, Outcast movie, <laughs> about their worst album. It was kind of funny. It was kind of bad, mostly the second. But... AT Aliens? It was about AT Aliens? No, Idlewild. Did you just say AT Aliens is the worst Outcast album? I love AT Aliens. <laughs> I will drive to Indiana. Okay. Please do, um, I need friends. I also watched The Lorax. Uh, I watched <laughs> The Haunted House. Um, from Wait. I don't know, 2011 or something. What's that about? Haunted House came out a lot recent, more recently than than I I'm thought. I'm thinking of Mon. I thought you, I was thinking no, it's of the Monster one- House. <laughs> I was like, why'd you watch? It's like why'd no, you watch it's the, that? It's like the spoof of Paranormal Activity. Yeah, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of it was good. Some of it wasn't. Oh well. Uh, I watched Hellraiser two without watching the first one, <laughs> and. I feel like I get the gist. It was pretty cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> I watched uh, Requiem for a Dream. God, uh, man, you guys watch them. Why? <laughs> oh, yeah, that uh, brother of the podcast better. recommended it very strongly. Yeah, he said it was like his favorite movie. I didn't say. Yeah, I don't know. But that's <laughs> a pretty Mitch movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. But <laughs> it was either his number yeah. one or number five. It was one of the two. It's It's very dark in the way all four of those stories intersect 
I've got a buddy friend. One of which is one of which is nauseating throughout, and then at the end, they're all nauseating. So there you go. Shout, got, out, shout out the Wayans. Marla, isn't Marlon Wayans in it? Yeah, he's I'm in both. Buddy friend of the program, and he actually needs to come on the podcast. But uh, he's got like the most photographic memory of anyone I've ever met. And he had like the first like five minutes of the movie memorized like word for word, just like the the room for a dream. Yeah, when the grandma goes in the closet, the, the TV advertisement part where it's like oh. you get you get to know three things. And I was, it's like it, I, was, I hate that. Okay, hate that's that was the storyline that nauseated me the most. I hated watching that, dude. That movie because of how un, unnerving and just disgusting it is i never want to watch that movie ever again that's all i say about i will it. skip through that storyline but i enjoyed the rest of it we should challenge that kid to memorize a whole movie dude he i'm pretty sure he could do it give him like eight a, mile well it's like a movie that's not eight, eight mile. Mile. <laughs> <laughs> can't do the rap part yeah 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 <laughs> okay uh, um I also watched John Wick 2. Um, I showed up at the end of the first one and left at the beginning of the third one, so I only watched the second one. Um, I watched Surf's Up. It was all right. Um, <laughs> the Green Day Needle Drop is still amazing. One of the best in all movies of all time. Does that hold up? I remember it be. I remember like really liking it as a kid. It does. It's 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 really good. It's pretty good. Some of it falls flat, but for the medium of their doing, which is like, uh, I don't know. Uh, camera i don't know what that term's called the thing that the office does they do that concept very well and i like the imagination behind it shout out shia labeouf he's in some hot water right now and zoe de chanel don't shout him out he's in hot water no I shout like out Kyle. shout out uh freaking um napoleon dynamite himself john heater yeah shout out john heater what did john heater do he's in it <laughs> okay. He's in like four things, but all of those things are amazing. Shout out John Heater. Shout he's, out John uh, Heater. He's still kicking it somewhere. Yeah, what are the four things he in? Napoleon Dynamite, Surf's Up, uh Blades of Glory. Blades of Glory and Napoleon Dynamite the show. Yeah. Oh wait, it's like oh, no, in uh, the bench warmers. Yeah, bench warmers. That's what I was thinking of. That movie what, sucked. I hated what that. What else movie. was he in? Uh he was in okay, yeah, he was in School is for Scoundrels. I've seen that actually. It's oh, not it, funny. Oh, he was in Monster he House. In, I think he plays the main. I think he plays like the fat kid in Monster House. He was in uh, Tremors from 2020. The I don't yeah, know. He's still, the he's still acting, man. Shout out John Heater, man. Let's get him on the program. <laughs> oh, uh, he was in a uh, uh, Kung Fu Rabbit. What? <laughs> it's a Kung Fu Panda ripoff. <laughs> he's also in Hedgehogs. He was Can in watch any Poro, of the-, the Racing Adventure. All right, Ben. What else did you watch? I'm too busy with. No, I'm gonna keep going. He was in the Naughty List. He was in a Mouse Tail. <laughs> ben watched uh, John Heater's whole discography. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was He's in Tank Man a, Begins. I was oh. going through a bad time, so I decided to sit down and watch every movie <laughs> John Heater's ever had. It's a dark time in my life. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of acting credits, you know Jimmy Woo. Uh, his name is Randall Park in real life. He has 164 acting credits on IMDb. Nice. How? He's in a lot. And he had his own TV show for a while, too, fresh <laughs> off the boat. They had like four Asian, Asian Jim. <laughs> Kick Ben off the program. It's Asian, yeah. 
Uh, shut up. You interrupted me. I also watched Inception and Blade Runner 2049. That's it. What'd you think of Inception? Oh, dude, I need I need to watch Blade Runner 2049. I, I was we thinking watched about it. Today. I know, but I played on my phone and made jokes about it the whole time. And Aww. <laughs> yeah, I didn't pay attention a whole lot. But I, kept, I keep seeing a guy reenacting like the scene where he's like looking at the pink uh, light. Yeah, silhouette of Honor Day Arms. He's I literally to told you to do that like three months ago. Say the bit that you wanted me to do, Ben. Uh, he was going to be standing below her. Okay, but anyway, it made me. This has been the Turbo Team podcast week. Yeah, we're done. Show up. Let people listen. And this has been the Turbo Team podcast. If you made it this far, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, we <laughs> stayed, we stayed on track until the end and. <laughs> But yeah, that Pick it up with Alex. The end, the beginning and the end is the time for riffing. It's okay. But yeah, we are going to wrap this sucker up, and we want to thank you guys for listening as always. Shout out to Fantasy. If you enjoyed this week's episode of the Turbo Team Podcast. Our social medias are linked in the bio. Follow us on Twitter at the Turbo Team Pod. You can listen to all episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other platform where podcasts are listened to. Thank you for listening.